Hello and welcome to the Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Daniel. Hello, Anthony. Hi, Daniel. Um, unfortunately, Shay cannot make it today, um, and that's due to the fact that we purged him. He's been purged. He's been purged. If you, yeah. if you haven't heard our Thursday episode of the... It was uh, on Friday, actually. Friday, yeah, Friday. Our Friday purge episode, which was the forever purge. Uh, <laughs> we mentioned that we did purge Shay. We did. But some good news. We have a new version of Shay coming in next week, a variant version. Oh, yeah. I like it. He, he's from... I, I by his accent, it feels like it's an Eastern European version of Shay. So oh, oh no, we'll see next week. I know. don't want to encourage Shay to do any more accents on the show. He has to now. He ha- he's it's Eastern he, European he's, he's Shay. Eastern, <laughs> Eastern European Shay. Yeah, it's God. I don't want to know what's going to happen next week, but you'll have to tune in to find out. You have to tune. You'll in. You'll have to tune in. But how are you doing? Uh, I'm good. You know, we had a we're coming off a crazy week on the movie podcast. Super crazy. Uh, going into last week. We're like, yeah, it's 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 a normal week, and then we had eight episodes in seven days. So, uh, really proud of the work that we put out last week. Caught up on a lot of sleep this weekend. Yeah. Um, but it's been a good week. You know, hopefully, you know, we're we're in an interesting spot right now in Ontario where things are starting to open, and and I'm hoping it's a sign of things just being able to not just be normal, but kind of hopefully better than what they were before. So. We'll see what right. that looks like. Yeah. We'll see what that looks like. How are you, though? Good, good. It's like you said, it was a busy week this week. And uh, yeah, I hope to have more of these types of weeks in the future. You know, even though they're they're busy, but it's great to have stuff to do and right. content to give to our, our audience. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's what kind of excited me because I'm like, man, because we've had weeks where it's like, you know, like three or four episodes, but it's been a long time since we had this many movies to watch and i think having a lot of movies to watch is a problem that i will take every single week if we had if we had to you know so 100 uh you said it like it it was nice having everything to watch last week yeah as always you can catch a new episode of the movie podcast every monday and watch out throughout the week for our review episodes and all the latest movie and series news uh, make sure to follow us at the movie podcast on Instagram and Twitter, as well as Letterbox, and don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We're still trying to get to that 200 five star reviews. At the end of this episode, head over to our Apple Podcast page, scroll up. You should see the little stars. Swipe across, leave a comment, leave some feedback. We're always looking forward to hearing from you. Definitely. And you can also join our Discord. And all this information can be found in our show notes. Um, Right on, is it on our Apple Podcast page? Right? Yeah, on our Apple yeah. Podcast page yeah. or whatever podcast provider you're listening with. Go to the show notes for this episode. You'll see all of the links. You should be able to tap on them. Uh, one that I'm noticing that I think somehow got missing from our little opening announcements, TikTok. We're on TikTok as well. We're on yes. the tickety talk. You don't stop. We're yes. on there too. So if you want to see us do a bunch of TikTok dances while reviewing movies, <laughs> that's where you go. You'll also find all our interviews that we do um, we record video with yeah you'll also find that also yeah, on there little miniature versions of them you know just yeah. to you know just to kind of get you get you interested uh, you know give you a taste first one's free then yeah. you got to come for the rest of the episode 100 percent. i'm gonna throw it to daniel for some announcements take it away so the announcements this week uh is really just kind of recapping all the amazing episodes that we've had in the last few weeks uh starting with our episode with tony bancroft which was uh 
almost a month ago at this point where we spoke to him about um, his work with Disney. Uh, obviously, he's a Disney animation legend. He directed Mulan. He's worked on all the most beloved Disney films of all time. And he's also working on the upcoming Space Jam, A New Legacy, which we'll hopefully have a review for very soon. Uh, we also have a review with Tara Strong, voice acting legend, who is the voice of Miss Minutes in Loki. Also, the voice of pretty much every single character from her childhood amazing discussion we had with her it's a short little interview but definitely check out that episode last week on the movie podcast we had gabriel Berstein, who is the cinematographer for black widow he also worked on a bunch of other marvel movies as well too and that's also a really fun conversation so definitely check that episode out um we also have a, a giveaway upcoming on the movie podcast feed so make sure you're following us across all of our socials you could see how you could win a blu-ray copy of nobody. Speaking of nobody, we have Billy McClellan on the show today. So another interview. Damn. We have we're just nonstop interviews on the movie podcast. Uh, Billy was in Nobody with Bob Odenkirk, which was one of our favorite films of the year. Uh, we have a really fun conversation. Me and Anthony uh, spoke with him, of course, because Shay was a casualty of the purge. So she yeah. wasn't there. Yeah. Um, but we had a great conversation. We spoke about everything from like nobody to the last of us. Yeah. To just films, just everything. We had a really, really fun really, conversation. Really good conversation. Um, maybe we'll make him our new third. You know, maybe Shay stays in Eastern Europe. Yeah, maybe we'll see. <laughs> uh, but of course, uh, like Anthony said, we have tons of new reviews on the movie podcast feed, including black widow, the tomorrow war, Zola, fear street, 1994, Fast and the Furious 9, our Loki review and reactions, Luca, Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, A Quiet Place Part 2 in the Heights, and more. That's literally only our reviews from the last two weeks. So it's been a really busy uh, month or so on the movie podcast, but we wouldn't have it any other way. This week, we're continuing our review series of Fear Streets. We're going to have Werewolves Within, our review and reaction for Loki Episode 5. And who else? Who who knows what else yeah, is going to pop up We don't up this know week. what comes out this week for us to... Maybe we have 10 you. episodes this week. Yeah, Who knows? Maybe. But the only way that you could stay on top of it is make sure you're subscribed to the movie podcast feed, wherever you listen to podcasts, and follow us across socials as well. Thank you, Daniel. But before we get into the news, we're going to get into our interview with Billy McClellan. Welcome back to the movie podcast. Joining us now is an actor you've seen on television, heard in video games, and is in films such as Madi, The Silence, and one of our absolute favorites of the year, Nobody. We're so lucky to have him join us today. Please welcome... Billy McClellan to the show. Hey, Billy. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I know uh, things have been crazy in the last year. We're coming off a year in a pandemic like no other. So to, just to start off, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, I did a little bit during the pandemic. I did this. Um, I did a movie uh, in the fall. Oh my God. It's so hard to gauge time. Was it last fall? Was it the fall before? It was pandemic. Cause we had to wear masks. Right. Um, and yeah. So basically what they're doing on set now is you wear masks all the time until they say rolling. And then they say masks and you take it off and you shoot scene and then they say wow. cut and then masks and then you put it back on. <laughs> but I did this movie up in Northern Ontario with, um, uh, called Delia's Gone with, and Marissa Tomei and uh, oh nice. Uh, what's that? What's that cat's name? Man, he's super good. Is um Paul? I didn't have any scenes with him, but he's a fantastic actor. Housen, um, he was in Kingdom. 
And he, oh, you know, he he was Richard Jewell in the Clint Eastwood movie. He's awesome. Yeah, we just saw him in uh, Cruella. Oh, oh right, yeah. Yeah, 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 he was in Cruella. Yeah, Paul Walter Hauser. That's it. Yeah, yeah. He um, I haven't watched Kingdom, but I watched the first couple episodes, and I just w- watched up to his intro, and. Just watching, just watch his intro scene, man. Don't even, you don't have to watch King. I heard Kingdom's good, but like, just watch the in, the scene that introduces him, and he he just knocks it out of the park. Yeah, he's really cool. Yeah. Really? So, yeah, long story short, I am doing cool, man. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad. To I hear noticed. It. I noticed on your um on your on your Instagram, you're you're a huge mask advocate, and I saw you were were you designing and building masks for people. I was. I was, yeah. I, I don't know if I would say I'm a mask advocate. I'm looking forward to the day I can fire them all in a um, bin and burn them, just probably as much <laughs> as anyone else is. Um, uh, you know, if it, if there's a if you go to a place that says wear a mask, I think you should probably do that. Um, but yeah, I um, during the pandemic, I was waking up at like I was I was waking up at like five o'clock with nothing on the go, and uh, I found that. Uh, flipping channels or watching Netflix for the first four hours of the day, and then it's still only being nine a.m. is a quick uh, remedy, uh, a, a quick way to get. Uh, oh man, all messed up. So, yeah, I actually dug out the sewing machine, learned how to make a mask, and uh, because I didn't have one, and uh, then my friend Laura, she has she has two kids that are immunocompromised, and she didn't have any, and she asked if I could make her some, and then I just started. I got good at it and then I got fast at it. And then I just started making them for all my pals. And yeah. So I ended up making like 900 or something. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing yeah. though. You know, I think, you know, we had a couple of friends like doing that too during the pandemic. And um, I think in a year where everyone was just so just living in that, that unknown, like it was cool seeing projects like that come out of it where people were just like, you know what? Like nobody wants to have to do this, but we might as well, bring like what brings us together out to it right and i think you doing that that's awesome that's so cool yeah well i mean look it was it was just as good for me as it was for you know anyone else so um but i i do find that there <clears throat> i did notice a lot of especially musicians on like on my facebook and stuff that i heard this saying last year and i can't even remember what context it was in but somebody said when i get scared of something i run right at it and um I found like, especially a lot of musicians did that this year. They, uh, there, there was a whole lot of people spreading hope. Um, and it was, I just, I, there was a lot of things to be inspired by this year, I think. Definitely. Definitely. Now, Billy, you were, you were born and raised in the East coast of Canada. Who and what inspired you to get into the world of acting and making movies? Um, I, I, I don't know if I could narrow it down to one thing because, um, I, yeah, I, gr- I graduated high school in Cape Breton and uh, went to one year of university in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. And then I went to three years of acting school at Concordia in Montreal. And then another three years of acting, conservatory acting at the National Theater School. So now I'm like 26 years old. And I don't know at what point in all of that it, it became real to me. Um right. It, because when when school ended, when I was in Montreal, there were only 10 of us in my class from across the country and everyone went back home. And then I realized, oh, I'm supposed to do something now. I'm <laughs> supposed to be an actual actor now. Um, 
and uh, I guess that's when it that's when it felt super real. Up until then, it was just kind of almost felt like summer camp. Um, but I, I was always just such a movie uh, nerd uh, when I was a kid. I remember when I my my grandparents moved into the city uh, when I was probably I don't know ten or eleven, and there was a corner store really close to them. And so when I would go to their place for the weekend, you could rent a VHS for two bucks. And my grandfather on a Friday would give me a $20 bill and I would watch that many movies before (laughs) I had to go home on Sunday. Um, So the corner store was always really, it was always small. Like there might've been, Oh geez, I don't know, maybe 300 titles. So I exhausted every, I exhausted everything that was in there. Um, so I was just such a huge movie nerd. Um, and then like, uh, when I was, when I was in grade eight, uh, we had a pick between going to shop class or going to drama. So I picked shop class and, um, it was a lot more boring than I thought it was. And then, um, (laughs) and then a, a really pretty girl asked me if I would go to drama and, um, and, uh, I, I did, but I went. I went under the uh, <laughs> negotiation that I would never have to act. And um, cause I, was, I just had no interest. I was terrified. And so she was a stage manager of the play that they were doing. So she, she worked it out with the drama teacher that I could be co-stage manager. And um, we had all these like cla- uh, little exercises, acting exercises we had to do in class. And then one of the girls in my class moved away. And so there were three little parts that needed to be filled. And the drama teacher who I really admired, Gary Walsh, he asked me to do those three little parts. And um, I just had a, I had a blast doing them. I was terrified, but I, I had fun. And uh, then after that, um, he took uh, me and this other uh, girl under his wing. And um, there was a like a local community theater at the college that, he would invite us out to paint sets and hang out. And I remember I did sound, sound on the play, stepping out, which is a huge musical. But all I had to do was one cue in the entire show. And it was to press play on a cassette deck. Um, but th- I was in, like, I was just always in. So um, I don't know. I just, I rode a nerd wave for so long until someone paid me to do that. Is, yeah. is the truth. <laughs> that, and I think that's the thing, right? I mean, like, if you're passionate about something, if you love something, like why wouldn't you want to find a way of doing that for a career in any capacity? Right. And I think um, even for myself, like, you know, when, when you finish school, like there's such like a, you don't realize the, the safety net of like, while you're in school, right. Where you could take those risks and stuff. And it's when it's done, you're just like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm out in the world now. Um, yeah. So I, I yeah. so I guess like, when did it start feeling real for you after, after school? Well, when school ended, I, I, I got a, um, I got a job doing a play after school ended through no, um, work of my own. Someone I think was doing Anne of Green Gables in Halifax. Somebody was playing Gilbert Blythe and I think they dropped out. I'm not sure something happened. And, um, so the woman that was directing that play was one of, the uh contracted teachers that came in and taught at nts so she asked me if i wanted to fly to halifax and do it and so i said yes and then while i was there the artistic director of the citadel asked me if i wanted to stay and play some small roles in their production of hamlet 
And so I did that. And when I got back to Montreal, I got a, a film and TV agent and um, I just didn't work. Like um, he ended up firing me after I got back from Halifax. And uh, mm-hmm. he said that casting told me that, uh, told him that I had dead eyes, which is super ironic because my friend Trena just told me about a podcast called Dead Eyes. Um, and it was the exact same scenario. It was the exact same scenario for this cat. He got fired from a job from Saving Private Ryan because he was told he had dead eyes. So um, I owed that agent 600 bucks. And instead of paying him, I moved to Toronto. Um, and uh, again, I was here for probably a year and couldn't even get an agent. That was, that was in um, 2000. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, I drove over to Los Angeles and, and met this cat out there who, who his name was, um, can't remember what his first name was, but his last name was McLennan. It was super close to my own. And he said, oh, I know a guy that just signed on with an agent in Toronto. And so I met with that agent in Toronto and he took me on because he thought I was this cat's cousin. Um, <laughs> but that's when I started working. I, you know, I also worked at the Gap for seven years at that point. Mm-hmm um doing like uh guest stuff on on tv shows whenever i could and um i stopped working at the gap in 2007 and i've I've been a a full-time actor since that's amazing and like from being an actor you've also like tv film and the world of video games and you you've kind of you've lent your voice to that what was it like being part of watchdogs and far cry and being in that in that video game world were you a gamer yourself before then as well yeah i'm i'm pretty specific i i love games um but i'm pretty specific with what titles i play because Mm -hmm. uh, i i find um um i find a lot just don't hold my interest but like i like um my favorites are probably like the resident evil series um and uh I I was super late to the game to play The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part Two, but man, just yeah. it'd be super hard to beat that game, Last of Us Part Two, in my eyes. That was so well done. The acting's yeah. fantastic. The storyline is, the storyline is so freaking good. Like you're, I, the storyline in The Last of Us was so good that I would wake up angry, wanting vengeance. Like can't wait to get on my PS4 to just induce vengeance on someone. Like that's crazy. Yeah. I don't even get that excited <laughs> about movies. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, I dig those a lot. And getting going going to Montreal and doing Watch Dogs and uh, Watch Dogs 2 is particularly fun because, you know, you go and you get to put on the scuba suits with the ping pong balls on them. And, right. Um, yeah. And um, what's what's crazy about that world that I didn't I still have a hard time wrapping my brain around and I had no idea this is how it worked. So when you go there, it's a huge empty room. You put on the scuba suits with the ping pong balls and you have a scene partner. And a lot of the time my scene partner was John Tench playing T-Bone and Watch Dogs. Right. And um, and um, there are dudes with cameras in the room that go around with their cameras and film you just like they were, for instance, holding steady cams on a movie set, but they are just collecting information. So they go in in post and frame the shot and uh, uh, gauge the distance. And um, like the camera is not collecting information in the same way. It's, it's, it's pretty mind blowing. I think what mm-hmm. they can do. Um, and then like for other things, like for Far Cry, the DLC for the Far Cry, that was all just studio work for me. Mm-hmm. So I just went in and lent my voice to that stuff. And, and Ubisoft has always been like we have like Ubisoft Toronto, which is not too far from us. And just seeing like their cinematic trailers and stuff like that, it's always amazing to see 
um, the progression almost every year when you see something like, and I, I know like Giancarlo Esposito is going to be the Far Cry 6 and like just seeing the behind the scenes of that, of him with the facial capture and everything. Like it's such, it's such an, I think an underappreciated art form that people people don't give it enough credit the work that goes into that especially like we 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 talk about the last of us part two on our show all the time but um Mm. seeing like the magic that goes into it 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 rivals what movies can do in a lot of ways too right yeah it i mean it's difficult to say that it's underappreciated as a whole because i think it is appreciated but your sentiment i i I dig your sentiment in that i I was watching um i was watching 1917 Mm -hmm. and have you guys seen that yeah yeah okay so spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't and if you haven't seen it yet you deserve it to be spoiled um (laughs) there's the scene after he meets the uh there's the scene after he meets the french girl with the baby and then he Mm -hmm. does that sprint through the town and then like jumps off a bridge when he was doing that sprint through that town i thought to myself oh my god the amount of work that went into designing crafting uh, constructing painting and aging that town that only like if you worked on let's say you worked on a part of that town that was like whatever you know, 50 feet long. You'd be able to like sit on the couch with your girlfriend and be like, all right, my part is coming up. It's coming up right now. There it is. There it is. There it is. Okay. Okay. That was it. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's there and gone. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the same with video games. Like there are probably people that, that design and create and construct and paint uh, all of that stuff in last of us part two, that it, it, um, is fleeting. But the the end result, like the entire the entire experience, is just magic, you know. And mm-hmm. so is nineteen seventeen, man. Like nineteen seventeen yeah. is is such magic, and and so is the Last of Us. And I mean, I have I have a, like I have other little oh man, like this is embarrassing. But I will play Comet Crash. You guys know what Comet Crash is? It's a it's a tower defense game. Okay. I, I bet you I've played that game six times and then erased all the all of the history and then like played it again. It's just a simple <laughs> tower. It's it's almost like akin to plants versus zombies, right. except in spaceships. Um, those things I find kind of addictive. But in terms of like I don't I don't like to play any games. I don't like to play any games where I know um uh eight year olds are out there right now playing and practicing and as soon as i log on they mark me I, so all i right. don't touch any of those <laughs> me neither me neither that's funny I just all narrative driven for me all story yeah, driven same. what do you guys think about the last of us part two being made into a movie or i, I am i am i just am, have you guys already touched on that and i'm no i know i think that's that's something that we you know we just got news about it this week that like joel's daughter got casted you know it, it's interesting because you know, when it was originally announced as a film, you're like, okay, this is like a 15 hour story that's going to be condensed down to, to two hours. But now that it's a series, I, I'm breathing a little bit easier knowing, but I'm also. Oh, it's a series. Um, yeah. So, like, it's, it, and it's like, and that the fact that like Naughty Dog's involved, I think gets me a bit more like my, I'm put at ease more, but it's also, it, it's a weird trade off because like so much of The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part Two is. Are those cinematics? Is that story it's telling? And it's like I feel like we've gotten that, um, but now we're like 
getting the film or sorry, the, the series. And it's like, we're going to be revisiting something that we've already kind of seen in this kind of real world setting as well. I, I, I know I'm torn. I, I think Anthony is, is uh, we're, we're kind of sharing the mindset on that one too. hundred percent. It's, you know, this, I, the evolution of movies for me are games uh, because you are now interacting in a movie. Um, and I feel, feel with the last of us, last of us two, they're so well done cinematically. It's hard to, do that again with live action and try to for me as a gamer captivate me again because it was so well done the first time it's like remaking a movie from you know the 50s or 60s when it was so done then and now we're redoing it again or even like if you think of the disney live action from animated to live action you guys are a little bit younger than me so you have the luxury of a discussion about this topic where the potential end result might be that it might be good like I had to live through um, like Street Fighter, for instance, with Jean-Claude oh, Van Damme. Like yeah. <laughs> at the beginning, um, there was there was no way in Hades that if a video game was going to be made into a movie that it would be any good at all. Um, uh, um, Double Dragon. Um, right. With Super Scott Mario Wolf. Brothers. Like, <laughs> you know? yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just it's just they were all. God loves them, but they were horseshit. So it's kind of like, it's kind of uh, <laughs> exciting to be, at least in a time where you go, yeah, okay. So like Beauty and the Beast live action, that kind of, I think, missed the mark. But The Lion King was actually pretty good. So I kind of dig that we're at least in a place where it, it, it might be good, you know? And and right. I remember, I, I don't remember if it was in the movie proper or if it was in the audio commentary of Goodwill Hunting, but they were talking about Ben Affleck's character. And they said, the one thing you had to believe about him is that if anyone messed with Will, he would take a base, baseball bat to their head. And right. um, that's the thing about the, the Joel character in that is you have to really believe that he would do that. And I don't, I don't necessarily believe that that guy from the Mandalorian would do that. He just doesn't seem intrinsically mean enough for me. <laughs> yeah, like Gerard think, Butler it, it, or somebody, you know? Sure. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, that that's fair too, you know, because Pedro Pascal has been very, uh, he has a very like friendly face, you know, and like, I want to see what uh, 20 years of a pandemic will do to him in the, in the series. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I guess, I guess the other uh, thing worth mentioning about my experience with the last of us part two is I started playing when the pandemic started. So I was, I was in, man, I was, yeah, I was believing everything. Holy jeez. Oh, yeah. definitely. <laughs> definitely. So outside of acting, you also write and direct. Can you tell us a little bit more about, anything you're working on or what you've worked on in the past. I got, I got exciting news that I'm going to, I'm going to break. Cause I, I didn't even think about telling you guys, but um, that question uh, spawned it. Um, so I wrote this uh, short film called camp tipsy about uh, yeah. a girl uh, that um, can't stop drinking, but she's really young. She can't stop drinking on her own. So she finds out about this camp that helps kids to stop drinking. And um and it, the camp is run by, um, um, you know, former uh, or, or alcoholics that are, are sober now. And um, so we shot that before the pandemic and we didn't know what the pandemic looked like in terms of film festivals. So we were really taking our time with it. And um, we found out last night um, we have one we have original music uh, by Jay Malinowski from Bedouin Soundclash uh scoring it but there was one song in it that we really wanted to use which is um we found each other in the dark 
uh, by City and Color. City and Color, and, yeah, um, Dallas Green. Yeah, and we found out last night that uh, we can use his song. And uh, oh, hell they were, yeah, they were super supportive, and they they um, they couldn't say enough nice stuff about like indie filmmakers. And uh, it was last night was a super exciting super exciting night uh here yeah so that that's i don't have a ton of experience as a writer but that's one of the uh things that i wrote and that's the new news so <laughs> that's amazing that's dope that's dope yeah. and you, you got a bunch of like canadian talents in there too a bedouin sound clash obviously in dallas green like that's awesome do you know like when we could maybe expect to uh to see it at all yeah so uh we tried to get as close to a picture lock as we could for the the Toronto International Film Festival deadline. And so the way it kind of works is they will accept you getting as close as you can and sending it in. So, I mean, all we really needed to do was another pass to do some color correction. Right. So, um, yeah, so TIFF was about a month ago and we submitted to that and we submitted to like another few dozen uh, film festivals. So uh, to be honest with you, I'm not sure how it's going to work moving forward. Right. Um, but um, we might have a screen, uh, cast and crew screening in Toronto, um, or if one of those film festivals ends up going virtually and uh, it's sometime soon, then yeah, there'll be no. Uh, I won't be shy about posting it on my social media. <laughs> That's awesome. No, and and we look forward to that. Um, something that I, I really want to talk with you about too. Nobody, you play Charlie Williams, the brother-in-law of. Bob Odenkirk in the film. What was it like working on that film and working with Bob Odenkirk and, you know, being part of this, uh, this film. And it was also shot in Canada, right? It was shot in Manitoba. Yeah. We shot it in Winnipeg and it was, uh, I think we shot it in November. It was cold, man. Um, <laughs> I, I remember, uh, to walk to the, the gym, all I had to do was go outside for a second and they, they have like the uh, huge underground there so you can get around but I would run out for a second in a t-shirt and, and sweatpants and, and freeze for a second. I remember it was super cold. Um, but working with Bob was fantastic. Bob can't hide how smart he is. Like I always <laughs> thought that about him, like watching breaking bad, like that cat can't hide how intelligent he is. Um, and uh, he was on set. He was super determined and it, it shows. I mean, you know, I've, 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 I've listened to a few podcasts and uh, I listened to both audio commentaries on the Nobody DVD. And I think there were some people that were giving Bob a little bit of grief about wanting to do it. And he trained for two years in order oh. to do it. And a lot of people will think, ah, yeah, but man, look, if you got a professional trainer and there's the... Uh, the some stunt team members that were on the John Wicks. And here, here's the truth about doing your own actions, not even stunts. Here's the truth about doing your own actions. So in one of the scenes, Bob punches me in the stomach and I sell it. So when we did that, I sold that punch probably, I don't know, 15 or 20 times by the time we finished. My left knee was sore for about four days. <laughs> and I remember this one time, I was out shooting Heartland in Calgary and there was a huge bar brawl. I was in this huge bar brawl scene and one of the stunt men I could see across the bar when I was doing my business, the stunt man was fighting in this direction. And from behind this other fella took a pool cue and hits him in the ear, ear neck combo. And I remember just watching going, Oh my God, that looks painful. And I said to the stunt coordinator, 
dude, what, what is going on over there? Is, is he really getting cracked with that pool cue? And he goes, no, 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 no. We, um, uh, we put something around the pool cue. And I went, oh, okay. Well, you know, I'm just watching a magic trick. And I went over and I picked up that pool cue. And you know what they did? They took a real pool cue and essentially put this rubber condom over it. That was about <laughs> this pen in my hand has the same grip on the base that yeah. that dude was getting cracked with the pool cue. The fact that Bob could even get through that film without being injured, like proper injured, you know, it's just, it's a testament to his dedication to the craft. Because right. there's a lot of other actors that would, I don't think there's a lot of other actors that would, one, take the gamble, and two, train for two years to do a movie. It's right. super rare. And it's something I think that's super admirable. I remember like watching that movie and it was so raw, that action, it felt like he was getting hit. It, he, he, it was rough, rough, rough yeah. fight sequences. So, yeah, I, I can't, like, you telling the story now, it's just absolutely wild. Yeah. I remember, I remember you mentioned in the review, Anthony, though, that you appreciated the realism of it in that he could get hurt and killed at any time. And, and in that, in, when you're watching John Wick, you don't ever think that he's going to get killed, you know? Right. And the, the, the term that I use in watching films, the thing that takes me out of a movie quicker than anything is what I call transformerism. And it's when one transformer is fighting another transformer and they're not knocking each other through buildings and stuff. And it's almost like, well, let's just get to the end of the fight because there's no stakes involved because it's just two huge machines, you know, fighting and killing each right. other. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't stop with transformers. There's a lot of times that and I don't remember if it was the Avengers or something I was watching recently. And it was, it was one of the, it was one of the heroes that was human. And they like leapt up four stories or something. And I went, well, wait a second. Does this character fly now? Like what? <laughs> Th that's, that's transformerism. And what's really cool about nobody, which I, I think sort of shares the same sentiment that Logan had is oh, this is a dude that's past his prime and still trying to achieve his objective. And like in that bus scene, that's just like the fantastic bus, bus fight. Odenkirk gets messed up and he's limping after, you know, it's, it's, it's very reminiscent of Logan to me. Oh, hundred um, percent. And it shows that in, and you're great in it. And the entire cast is great in it. This is a, like we said in our review, like this, we're going to struggle to try and find a film that is going to succeed that for us this year. And, and Billy, we're, we're just so thank you for, for joining us on the Wii podcast today. So thank you. Uh, nobody is out now on Blu-ray, 4K and digital. So please, you know how much we love it. Check it out. It's great. And uh, we're so thankful for, uh, for you to join us today, Billy. Before we finish up, though, um, can you let our listeners know where they could follow you on social media, where they could uh, check out the great work that you're doing? Well, first, you can check out the deleted scenes in Nobody on Blu-ray <laughs> and DVD, because I, I got two deleted scenes in there. Um, and uh, they're both with, both with Michael Ironside, who I just really uh, adore and was super grateful to get to meet. But there was a, a plot line that got cut out of the film. So there's a couple of scenes that got cut out of there. And one of them has to is with Colin Salmon, who plays the barber in it, who is just he is the nicest cat and um, was super fun to hang out with. Um, <clears throat> you can find me at uh, Billy underscore McClellan on Instagram and don't bother looking on twitter because i i check twitter about once every six months 
Um, <laughs> I, you know what? I checked Twitter. I checked Twitter the opening weekend of Nobody. And as soon as I was on, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember why I don't like Twitter. Right. <laughs> Twitter's, really, Twitter's really mean, man. Twitter's really mean. And yeah, uh, I just started two new TV shows. One's called uh, Ruby and the Well, which uh, will come out sometime next year. Delia's Gone, I imagine, is going to be out in the fall. And I also am going to be in season two of Pretty Hard Cases on CBC. Awesome. Billy, thank you so much again for taking the time today. We're so lucky to have you. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Wow. that not that a crazy interview? Like, I did not <laughs> expect that from Billy. He was so engaging and so like you just shared all his passions of films i thought this was going to be more of a just a straightforward interview but he was really 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 dope yeah he was, to. it was just like a conversation it was a lot of uh it was a really good time so again billy thank you for joining us thank and, you uh, again that was a great time yeah I really, I really enjoyed that interview i hope to have him on the show again definitely like if, whatever he does in the future i hope to have and he was so cool about it too yeah if we do a nobody commentary we got to invite a hundred percent definitely a hundred percent but without further ado, let's get into the news. Do, 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 do. Not bad. Solid. Solid. Not bad. First order of business. Some sad news. Lovecraft uh, Country will not return for season two at HBO. And this is from Joe Otterson of Variety. Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country is not being renewed for a second season at HBO. Variety has confirmed. We will not be moving forward with a second season of Lovecraft Country. HBO said in a statement, We are grateful for the dedication and artistry of the gifted cast and crew and to Misha Green, who crafted the groundbreaking series. And to the fans, thank you for joining us on this journey. The series debuted its first and now only season in August of 2020. The move is not proceeded with more of the series. The move to not proceed with more of the series is not altogether unexpected as the show was based on the solo novel of the same name by Matt Ruff. HBO has made similar decisions with other series such as Big Little Lies. That show only received a second season after the author of the book on which it was based, Leanne Moriarty, penned original material to serve as the basis for another season. The show received strong critical praise upon its release, including earning a Golden Globe nomination for Best Drama earlier this year. The show is also eligible for this year's Emmy Awards, Justin Kroll from Deadline, what's wild about this is that every cast member from Journey to Majors, spoiler alert, was expected to return Jon Snow style, had clear time to in schedule and was under the impression second season was a foregone conclusion. Now, I watched Lovecraft Country, yeah. and it was such an amazing show, and it did leave you wanting more, and there was a cliffhanger of a season two. Right. Um, super, super surprising that it's not coming back to HBO because it was so well done and it seems like an HBO Max type of show. Um, I don't know if you watched it, Daniel. If you, you know, did you catch any episodes? So I watched the first episode and I really liked it, but yeah. also I think it just the time that it came out, I, I don't know what else I was doing that I didn't go back to finish it, but I really enjoyed the first episode and it's produced by J.J. Abrams and Jordan yep. Peele as well. Um, and it was just one of those shows that every week people were talking about it. And I'm surprised that with with it kind of gathering all that conversation, I'm surprised that it wasn't picked up again because it felt like one of those shows. I'm like, yeah, this show will be back eventually. Right. Yeah. And, and it, it kind of left you with that idea that it was right. And for this for this to kind of be the case, then I would have. Like, I don't know. Like, if everyone thought a season two was coming, like, I guess there was no way for them to say, like, with Watchmen, right? Like, Watchmen right. was always, like, a limited series event. 
we really didn't, even though it's kind of open-ended at the end of the Watchmen series, you could still end it there and it'll be okay, right? Like the, with the HBO series. With this, I feel like people were expecting another season of this. So really surprising, really surprising yeah. because it was so beloved and it was so popular. Why not go another season with it? Do you think HBO will kind of think about maybe doing a second season now that there's like some sort of, um, you know, not protest, but people are wanting it. And now that they know that they people are wanting it, that they'll do it. So here's the thing. I, like with Warner Brothers right now and HBO Max and HBO, like they're all kind of different entities right now, right? Mm. Even though they're all under the same owner, who knows of like, what if Lovecraft Country comes back? And it's like, oh, now it's an HBO Max show. Right. Because right? that's technically a different division than HBO. Right. It's totally possible that happens. I so, can see that happening. So like, I don't know if, if Warner Brothers is really going to surrender the the IP like I can't see them giving up the IP let's say to Netflix or another co- competitor I could see it maybe going to a different area of under their umbrella of companies so. right because I know with um last year Warrior and it was two years ago Warrior um was a uh, Cinemax right show and then during the pandemic they basically canceled all their live action recordings and it kind of like stuck in limbo right. But then HBO picked it up. Yeah. HBO Max picked it up, and now it's coming back to HBO Max. So hopefully, like this type of story, which was so well written and and directed and, and made, right? That, it had that HBO fantastic. quality to it. One hundred percent. It just seems like they would do it again. And these actors that are in it, they're like they're huge now, and they're, yeah, people will watch. Definitely. I mean, like Journey was just in uh, Birds of Prey last year. Yeah. Jonathan Majors obviously he's, he's in be everything King. this he's year. He's in everything. So yeah. uh, I wouldn't be surprised, and you know. We've seen shows kind of jump ship to different networks and things like that before, too. I mean, we've even seen within Warner Brothers with when they had DC Universe, Harley Quinn and Young Justice were part of the DC Universe um, subscription. And then when that kind of went under, they moved them to HBO Max. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's possible. I think there's going to be demand for it. We'll see. Misha Green also is um, writing and directing the next Tomb Raider movie, yeah. right? So yeah. who knows if and when we'll get this, but it seems very... Uh, Sudden for it to end. 100%. There, right? Let's move on to our second news story. You can actually blow up the White House, an oral history of Independence Day. And this is coming from Aaron Couch of THR. Independence Day, which opened over the July 4th weekend, turned Will Smith into a global star, birthed one of the most famous speeches in cinema history, and changed movie marketing with an explosive Super Bowl ad remembered decades later. It also establishes filmmaker Ronald Emmerich as a master of destruction who would go on to helm films such as The Day After Tomorrow, 2012, and the upcoming Moonfall, the German filmmaker's latest disaster pick due out in February of 2022. Before ID4, Emmerich and writer Dane Devlin were best known for Stargate, which came out in 94. That was only the beginning of their journey. The two went on to battle 20th Century Fox to cast Smith, whom the studio feared couldn't sell the movie overseas. They had to reshoot the ending with just weeks to spare, and they fought to blow up the White House in a TV ad, something that was controversial to say the least. Independence Day went on to earn a massive $817.4 million globally, making it the second highest grossing film ever at that time. I can't believe it's been that long. 25 years. from Indo- Yeah, and I, I remember the day I went to go watch Independence Day. I really? think I was in grade... I want to say four or five. That's a good age to and watch. And I watched it. Um, I watched it. I think at Yorkdale. 
in Toronto, New York Dale Cinemas yeah. at that time. Um, but man, that movie was it was like that was a summer movie. That was the summer blockbuster movie. That that whole sequence of buildings exploding, it was just like something you've never seen on the screen before. Yeah. Because it was so like crazy. It was wild. I love Independence Day. Yeah. Like I'm probably like today is Independence Day in the it United is. States. It is. Uh we usually like spoiler, this is when we're recording this episode, but I'm probably gonna put this on later because it is one of my favorite movies. It's yeah. one of those movies that I rem- like growing up and you when it were, whenever it was on TV, usually every other day on TBS. But especially on Independence Day, you would watch it and you'd watch it with commercials, even though I'd have the cassette at home and the DVD and then the Blu-ray of it. Um you would watch it, and I and I adore Independence Day. Uh, I know Shay does too, but you know he's been purged, so he doesn't get to talk about no. it. Um, a purge say even might say that you know he did a, a scene from it as an audition in high school for a play that he did a, a sequence from it. But again, he can't speak to it. Really he's interesting. Gone. Yeah. Oh. He. Um, I mean, I'm just going to speak for Shay. I won't do his voice this time. You know, I won't do his voice this time out of respect for his family. <laughs> but um, yeah, he uh, he did like the scene with Will Smith like dragging the alien. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, great yeah. scene. And again, like, imagine thinking Will Smith isn't going to sell a movie. Yeah. Like, imagine, like, this is, again, 25 years ago, I know, but, like, craziness. And again, like, I'll never forget, like, growing up and seeing the ads and seeing, whenever you see that the White House get blown up, you're just like, oh, my God. Right. It's, it like, it's like you feel it in your stomach, you know? And we've used it in, like, some of our videos in the past as well, too. I'm like, man, it's, it's just, it's scary, you know? Yeah. Like, it's scary watching that, but... I feel like that's still one, I think one of the best, if not the best, like alien invasion destruction movies of all time. Yeah. Right. percent. That it just, you believe what's going on. I think Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith are such a great pair together. I know they're not in the film as much until later, but what a great movie. What a damn great movie. And it was, it was just super surprising for that movie to be that great at that time. Um, I think Will Smith, you know, he was, I think he just did Bad Boys, and then he was going on. He's still doing Fresh Prince, and then right. he did Independence Day, and he he took that movie to a whole nother level. Definitely. And that whole cast, the chemistry between everyone was fantastic, and the action sequences and the explosion. I've never seen a building explode like that before. It just it just exploded like you you've never seen buildings <laughs> it explode. Was gone. Like, yeah, like. Psh. Um really really well done i know there's some some parts that you took out of the article that you kind of want to share especially about the the white house exploding uh this is from emmerich it was controversial i had this idea that the ad is the second of july you see the shadows third of july you have the firing coming through fourth of july the white house explodes it was such a simple concept and fox hated it <laughs> fox no way yeah it's it's you know, it is controversial to blow up the house that leads your leader. Yeah. You know, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I feel like don't kill Bill Pullman like that, you know? Yeah. And I think like a lot of groups, even now, I would say now if that were to happen, a lot of people would not be happy with the White House just blowing. up. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen in. like, I mean, when you look at when you watch a Transformers film now or you watch uh, even Man of Steel, like when you see the destruction of a city. Like, yes, it's a lot. And you're just like, oh, my God, that city's gone. But when you do, like, um, it's, it's like especially, like, seeing that. And, again, this is, like, from a, a pre-9-11 world, right? Right. But when you're seeing that, that's, like, just shocking to people. It's yeah. not as shocking now because we've seen way worse things. We've seen cities demolished in movies, right? But seeing that happen, again, like you said, Anthony, the central kind of 
figure the house of what your country is and represents getting demolished like that. That's scary. Yeah. Um, and you could see, and I, I don't blame Fox for being scared of that, but obviously that helped sell the movie and for it to make almost $900 million in the nineties, mm-hmm. that is a juggernaut. That is massive. Yeah. And nowadays to blow up buildings, it's, it's harder to do because you know, a 9-11, you think about that, you think about the destruction, right? you think about the lives that have lost, and, this, and, and it is sad, um, and, and you don't really see a lot of the, the buildings and, you know, alien invasions that involve that type of sequence anymore, but now they're kind of, or during that time, during that 9-11 period, and then, right. you know, Man of Steel came out and they just started blowing and, and up now, everything. And, yeah, and now when you see a lot of films, it's like, even like the Tomorrow War, like, there's a lot of city destruction, like, I would say once the 2010s happened, you know, post, like, 2010, 2011, that's where you saw, like, just complete, complete cities and countries get demolished, you know, yeah. like, that was almost like a, that's, it's okay now to do it, you know, because I think of, like, even, like, G.I. Joe and... A lot of movies from like that the 2010s era. That's when things were just like let's just destroy everything. Yeah, you know. Let me. Um, I'm just gonna follow up with what Devlin, which was the other writer yeah. of this of the movie. You can't actually blow up the White House in a TV spot. Uh, Roland said why, and Fox said well because what happened in Oklahoma City, where in April 19th, 1995, anti-government extremists detonated a bomb in front of the Alfred B. More a federal building killing over 150. It could be seen as an insensitive, and I said, "Yeah, but that wasn't done by space aliens." And <laughs> it, yeah, I know, and it's that's the tricky. It's just, it's just, yeah, you yeah. know, even like you know, in Miami, seeing the building that collapsed, yeah, and that's that's scary. You don't want to see. It's it's a hard, it's a gray situation, right? Uh, where you're in, I want to see a building, but I've also seen a real building right. blow up or explode, and it's it's a tough decision to make, right? And we've seen movie makers, and we've seen movie premieres get canceled. We've seen movies get delayed because of violence, right? You know, like I even think of like Gangster Squad. Like again, there's many examples of this, but even like Gangster Squad, they changed the ending of that film when there was the obviously what happened at the, with the Aurora shooting at the Dark Knight Rises premiere, right? Or right. not premiere, sorry, like. Uh, the opening night opening night yeah. um they had the shooting in the theater and then in gangster squad there was a scene where there was a shooting in the theater they had to reshoot that yeah right and it's not the first time that movies would change and again this there's multiple examples this is a great topic of the show to get into where we could kind of talk about this movie's changed why it was changed things like that but um yeah i mean the they did it, and obviously it was a risk for them to do, but it paid out paid off for them because that's probably one of the most iconic shots in history. Yeah, in film, right? Yeah, people always remember the shot of the White House being just blown up. Anything else you want to say about Independence Day before we wrap up? You know, for our American listeners, hopefully you had a, a nice Independence Day. Um, for us Canadians on July first, um, I would say a majority of people I knew uh, it was a very somber year. This this was very much a year of reflection, very much a year of education with everything that's been going on here in Canada with uh, the residential schools. So listen, my one takeaway is again, like for Canadians, educate yourself, learn what's going on. Um, But yeah, in terms of independence day, great film and I'm uh, excited to watch it later today. Yeah. I think I'll also put it on as well. Um, Let's head into some quick updates, Daniel. Take it away. Yeah. So Edgar Wright's horror movie last night in Soho will now release two days before Halloween. Um, as you guys remember, this was going to be coming out October 22nd, 
which was like jam packed with Dune and um, the uh, the French Dispatch and a bunch of other movies. So now they're finally getting spaced out. Nico Parker joins series adaptation of The Last of Us as Sarah Joel's daughter. Did you see the picture of them in the car this weekend? No, I have not. So you see a picture of like literally the all the the actors in a car, um, like Joel, Ellie, and Tommy, and I'm like, oh, this is just a nice drive. Hopefully, nothing happens to them in this car ride. Um, cause it's literally like the beginning of the game. I guess right. they were just like blocking the scene. Uh, the HFPA has announced some eligibility changes for future golden globes. The best, the best picture categories now include animation and non English films following the Farrell and Minari controversies. And the foreign language category is now called the non English language film. Sure. Sure. But it's good to see that, yeah. you know, you know, animation is now part of that yep. best picture. Um, as well as they fixed up that issue with the farewell, as well as yeah, Minari definitely not being allowed to be part of that. Definitely. Have you seen the farewell? No, I think, I, you, I think, I think you'd it's really on like Crave. It. So I think I, you'd really I've like it. I've seen it. I'm going to watch it yeah. soon. I think you dig it. Uh, and finally, the Directors Guild of America have announced films released after June 15th, 2021 must have an exclusive seven-day theatrical run before arriving on other platforms to be eligible for their awards, disqualifying Dune, Cry Macho, and other day-and-date releases. Again, I don't get why we have, like, one foot forward and then two steps back with mm-hmm. a lot of these mm-hmm. with all of these award shows. Again, Directors Guild of America, like, like, why? Like, why do this? Like, you know most films are going to be having these releases that are out of the control of the creators like right. just why do this you know like because now like with the knee like is the Villeneuve going to be able to be like does he have to contribute something to the director's guild or be eligible to win an awards like he can't do it now because it's being released on hbo max it's stupid it's so really dumb the movie we know that dune will be releasing a little bit earlier at film festivals does that not count um even with the toronto film festival being a public film festival where people can watch it and if they air it seven days throughout that week, doesn't that kind of count as? I think it has to be playing like in the theaters and in, in like theaters. Uh, so let me take a let me take a quick read here. So all to do while the Academy Awards kept its pandemic eligibility rules consistent for 2021 and 2022 ceremonies. Not all award shows will follow suit. On Tuesday, the Directors Guild of America announced that the 2022 DGA Awards will reinstate pre-pandemic requirements. So this year, I'm assuming they they adapted with COVID, but now they're saying for next year's awards from the films that were released this year, mm-hmm. it's back to how it was pre-COVID. Right. Right? So it's like there's a lot of directors now that won't be able to be eligible for a DGA award because of this silly rule. Um. Yeah, Cry Macho is a Clint Eastwood film, which is coming out later this year. It sounds like a Clint Eastwood film. It does. It does sound it? like a Doesn't Clint, it? Clint Eastwood Man, film. Clint Eastwood, I think, is like 109 now. Still uh, directing, still acting. Is he in this one? Well, the last one that he did, which was, um, it wasn't Richard Jewell, was it? No, he did something after. He Richard directed Jewell. Richard Jewell, but before that, the one where he acted in, he played. Um, this dude who became a drug smuggler. Oh, what was it called? Oh, yeah. I did not like that movie. I Mule. Mule, Mule, yes. Yeah. And there was a sequence where he's with... I don't know if it was these two women. I don't know if they were prostitutes or uh, just, you know, ladies of the night. But it just felt super awkward because here's this dude who's like a hundred and... A hundred years old, almost. Yeah. I'm not going to say... Let's say he is, he's 91. He's, he's almost 91. 100. He's close. 
And he's in a almost like a sex scene with these two women and just felt super yeah. awful and cringy at the it, same time. I 100% agree. There's also another scene in the film where like he refers like to these black characters as as an awful name, right? Like as like a very like why are you even saying this? And right. and I'm just like, yes, I get that he's trying to make it that that this sorry that he's like an old school guy, but I'm yeah. just like what a weird choice to make in a movie. It's like he wants to live that life. Yeah. Like El Torino and then he realizes at the end that oh, you know, I my thinking was wrong, but you don't have to think like that all the right. time. And you would you would think that I'm like, "Hey, Clint, like you, this film, The Mule came out in 2018, like why are you doing this? Like that that just yeah. really rubbed me the wrong way. I'm just like, "Why? Like why are we why are we why are we here right now? Like it's again, like with your scene too, like like why this movie's just awkward yeah. now. Like this, it just feels so like far removed. Yeah, the last film he directed was Richard Jewell. Yeah. Which was, also was um we were talking about with uh Billy as well. Yes. Because um uh Paul Walter Hauser's in it. Yes, 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 yes. Did you did you watch Richard Jewell? I did, yeah. I saw it in theaters with Shay. Uh, was it good? Was it, was it uh Rich here's the thing with Richard Jewell. I don't think it was a bad film. I just thought it was kind of boring. Yeah. I think the premise was really interesting with him, like, okay, like this is a security guard, but um they think he's involved with a bombing that went off at the Olympics somehow, but it was just him trying to save people and he was just kinda like like I think Paul Walter Hauser's great in it. I think uh you know Kathy Bates was a lot of fun to watch in it too and, and Sam Rockwell, but I don't know, it's not one that I'll really revisit. Right. Like I right. finished it, I'm like, Yeah, it's fine. But it wasn't wasn't one I Memorable. really thought about, right? Where if I look at a movie like Sully, for example, I really thought Sully was a great film. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed Sully and that was a film that he directed as well. That was probably my last Clint Eastwood film that I like. Sully, American Sniper. And I'm just looking at his films. Did you did you like uh Inviticus? No. Uh that's about the uh, rugby team. Rugby team in with South Matt Africa. Damon, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. Grand Torino? No. Gran Torino is just a very racist film. It is. It is very racist. Um, very. A uh, million dollar baby. Oh yeah, million dollar baby. It's and, it's and weird. River, like yeah. Clint Eastwood has these great films, it, and then he like goes into these interesting other films that are just bad. Right. Like he's a hit or miss. He's very hit or miss. He's very hit or miss. And again, he has a very long career of directing films. Yep. Since the seventies, but. Man, man, he's ninety-one. When are you gonna retire, dude? dude? Just, just you know, just, just relax. Relax. Just relax, man. You're good. Just relax. Let's move on to some trailers. 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 I like it. We need that third trailer person. We do. We'll ask Billy next time. We'll yeah. ask Billy to record. <laughs> or, or Eastern European Shay. Eastern European Shay. <laughs> He has to do it in that Eastern European uh, accent. We have a couple of new trailers this week. Beckett, Don't Breathe 2, Jolt, The Many Saints of Newark, Clifford, Star Wars Visions, and Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut. I think we just gotta, we gotta start with Clifford, man. Again, like, (laughs) Clifford, again, Clifford the Big Red Dog. I don't know what I expected this movie to look like. Right. But they did deliver on a Big Red Dog. Yeah, they did, and it, it, this, it's this a cute, cute trailer. It it's a cute. cute. I laughed you know? at a couple of the sequences in that trailer. I did. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't like the look of Clifford. I feel like he he could have been a little bit more cartoony looking. Right. I think I think he they looks needed... too real, but then he also looks too CG. Right. I think I think they needed to pick 
a style from because when you look at let's say Tom and Jerry that came out earlier this year, Tom and Jerry are very animated. They're cartoons in real life. Where Clifford, I feel like they're trying to be like they're trying to have like a realistic looking dog, but it looks very CG. Yeah. He looks cute though. And it looks like they're good and also Darby Camp, who was in the Christmas Chronicles movies, I think she was great in those films. Um and Clifford, she looks like she's gonna have she's gonna be fun too, but yeah, we'll see how this is. You know, this is coming out later this year. It's from the director who did Alvin and the Chipmunks, Old Dogs, Wild Hogs. Um, yeah, interesting. <laughs> Van Wilder. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Van Wilder and Buying the Cow, uh, which is a Jerry O'Connell film from 20, 2002. So. so this director has a very interesting filmography. There's just, a good chance it might not be great. Right. But hopefully it's hopefully just it's it's a fun time for the kids. So what we'll, about we'll see. the Many Saints of Newark, a Soprano story? Looks great. Looks great. It looks great. Looks- uh, again, I still can't I still can't get over the fact that like James Gandolfini's son is playing. Yep. His Michael, dad in it, Michael Gandolfini. You know, and I think that's awesome. He looks so much like his dad. I think he sounds like his dad. And um, what a strong he has cast. A look, eh? He yeah, has he, a look. He just has that look. It's like, oh, I'm, you know. So this story, like, yeah, you know? this story follows the younger years of Tony Soprano, and I guess his build up to being right that mob Woke boss. up this morning, and they have a great cast: uh, Alessandro Navolo, Leslie Odom Jr., John Bernthal, Vera Farmiga, Billy Magnuson, uh, Corey Stahl, Ray Liotta's in it, as well as Michael Gandolfini, uh, who's. This is not his first time acting. He's he's acted quite a bit. We you might have seen him in Cherry. Uh, Ray Liotta's in it too. I did say real. Yeah. Oh, did you say that? Yeah, I apologize. Yeah, he was in Cherry. Yeah, Cherry. He's also in The Deuces with uh, James Franco. It's an HBO uh, series. Yes, yes. On the porn industry, so really like he's growing and he's getting better. And I think he, I know he took this role super serious because it is his dad, and he would listen to. Uh, tapes of his dad just talking so he can get that that mannerisms down so he yeah. can be ready for this role and the only thing i the only issue i have with this movie is director? the director yeah. alan taylor who's you know same director same director of thor dark dark world um i'm not too sure what else he's kind of directed he's, oh, done, he's done a lot of television. terminator genesis that was the other one that kind right. of like Terminator Genesis, Thor to Dark World. He's directed a lot of television. So he's done Game of Thrones, Boardwalk Empire. Um, he also directed a lot of Sopranos as well. Yeah. So And it's written by David Chase. So that's the good part. Right. You know, David Chase is still producing, still writing. It's still the show. So I do, you know, believe that this is still going to be a great movie. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing, right? Not that, like, I always look at somebody like Craig Mazin, right? Who, um, who didn't have the greatest filmography yeah. that he comes out with Chernobyl. Now he's coming out with the last of us, like HBO series that he's going to be working on. And, and he's in mythic quest. And even like, what's his name? Uh, the dude who did Joker. Oh, Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips. Yeah. So all hangover stuff. And then he did the Joker. So, so you never know. You never know. Um, also, uh, don't breathe too. Did you see the first don't breathe? Yep. Uh, I liked it. I love like 80% of that movie. And then when it kind of got into the weird, like, Oh, I'm keeping a girl captive in my basement, and here's a turkey baster type stuff. I'm like, that was kind of weird, right? Um, so I'm really interested to see now. Okay, this is a sequel. This is him, I guess, with the girl that he's been raising that he technically kidnapped, right? So 
I'm really curious. Is this supposed? This story is supposed to be before or after? Is it after? Yeah, I believe it's okay. after. Right. It's after. So they're they're. I guess it looks like people are trying to come for the girl that he's been taking raising, care. Yeah, you know, it's been so, training. Right. Somehow. Yeah. So it's going to be. I'm like again, like just like in the first film, I'm like I don't know who to root for in this film. Nope. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see what Same happens. Same guy who directed Evil Dead remake, which I love, right? For its goriness. Did and he do? Did he do? He did the first Don't Breathe as yes, well, right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, what else? Do we we got Star Wars Visions, which looks really cool. Really, really cool. So think of Star Wars animation, but in anime style by yeah. real anim, anime, you know, creators, directors yeah. and creators. So it's a very Japanese feel to it. And even this is great because we know that the Jedi is, but based on a samurai right and that culture that i guess maybe george lucas pulled from hopefully they could tell some amazing stories with Definitely. that anime because i was watching just the animation parts and I'm like oh my gosh this is gonna look like star wars looks great in anime it style. does and and that's why like i I've, i just can't wait to see lightsaber battles like because i think that's gonna look awesome in an anime style 100 percent. um ghost of tsushima director's cut can't wait for more ghost of tsushima or tsushima i love that game we, you know, myself, you, and the the former uh, Purge Sabaj, we all platinum because we loved it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm excited to go back to that world and just play. You know. There's a new There's a new story to this. Yeah. New right? island. New island. And yeah. it's going to be on PS5 as well too. So it's going to look even better and be, load faster somehow. So use the adaptive trigger. So yeah. yeah trigger. Yeah. So yeah. Look for our uh, discussion on that in August when that comes out. But um. Other than that, you know, Beckett looks interesting. Jolts is an Amazon Prime film. Kate Jolt, Beckinsale. Jolt does not look great. Jolt looks Jolt looks like it's like in the same world as like Lucy, as in like um, Atomic Blonde. Like it looks like that those in the vein of those type of films, yeah. right? Like even it has a John Wickish vibe to yeah. it, but it doesn't have the coolness to it. No, so uh, I'm very interested. Kate Beckinsale though, um, she's returning like to the action role. It's been a while since we've seen her like in an action film. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. That we don't have a long wait for that when that comes out. July 23rd. So maybe we'll have a review for it. Yeah, we, we should. We might. We might. Um, out this week, we have Black Widow and Fear Street 1978. So you can look for Black Widow. Our review is already there. Yep, listen uh, to we'll it. We'll have a review coming out for Fear Street 1978 soon. Um, let's talk about what we're watching. We're going to start with um, our purged... Our purged man. <laughs> Pur- purged man himself. Shabazz. Uh, yeah, do you sh- want to do the honors of you know talking about what he's watched yeah you know i'll i'll uh you know in memoriam in memoriam him, you know uh hey guys i'm shabazz uh hey guys uh, hey, hey man, shabazz <laughs> <laughs> i know we're not supposed to do it but we did it we did it we did it um shabazz watched shmigadoon which i also watched shmigadoon a little while ago we're gonna have a review for it soon because we can't talk about it yet but we, we will have a review it. very soon black widow fighting with my family i guess he wanted to watch something else with florence Pugh in it mm-hmm. fear street 1994 the tomorrow war and monsters at work great tee off for monsters at work because i also watched monsters at work we got the first two episodes courtesy of our friends at disney um really enjoyed the first two episodes did you watch it yet Anthony? i have not um very much this is a post monsters inc worlds so it's cool seeing like the the world kind of going forward it, like in the monsters inc world going forward um very tv show feeling right now i, I don't think the animation is as like beautiful is like when I look at Monsters U or any recent Pixar film, I don't think it's right. as like the caliber is as strong. But uh seems really funny. You have a great cast there. You know, you have Jonah from Superstore and you have like Henry Winkler and Mindy Kaling and um 
You you also have like Billy, Billy Crystal and Billy John Crystal Goodman. and John Goodman they, coming they back. Do yeah, come back. I'm not too sure how much they are in this. They're they're in it a pretty good amount for this first two episodes. Okay. So like there there are supporting characters. They answer the lead. Uh, I always just call him Jonah. I'm <laughs> I'm blanking on his real name right now. Um, but yeah, so it's it's basically them now having to turn from using fear to using uh, laughter. Laughter, right? Ben Feldman. Sorry. Does it tell you how many years have passed? It's literally like. Next day. Next day, basically. It's like uh, Ben Feldman's character who is, um, he's a monster who literally graduated top of his class from Monsters U. He's about to um, come and be the top scare. He got a job with Monsters U. His name is Tusk, Taylor Tuskman. Um, his That's giant cute. tusk. That's cute. Um, and he literally is coming there and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to be the best scare. And he gets there and is like, hey, yeah, we changed the fear. We changed from 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 fear to laughter. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, a, it's a funny workplace comedy that way. Right. So right. Like, I'm excited to see where the series goes. I'm definitely going to watch every week. Do you think Boo will make an appearance? Uh, I'll cry if she does. You know, you know, I was hoping that this kind of took place a little bit, you know, later on. A little in bit the, later on. So we could see an older Boo and just how she deals with monsters but i think you know the the chemistry of younger boo yeah and just the innocence of her character right with these monsters might work better than seeing an yeah. adult version but we'll see honestly like it's a, it's a really fun show it's coming out july 7th so this friday you'll be able to sorry, uh sorry this wednesday july 7th july 7th yeah because uh, dizzy moved all their stuff to wednesdays now you'll be able to watch it um really fun so far so i'm, I'm excited to see where the show goes um what for, about you for myself this week so i literally watched avengers endgame as soon as that finished, uh, we got Black Widow to watch. So I literally watched Endgame and went right into Black Widow, which was an interesting um, combination. Uh, like I said, we uh, spoke about Monsters at Work. Behind the Attraction, um, a new Disney Plus series about a documentary series about um, the rides at Disney World. Can't talk about it yet, but I will very soon. That is a uh, Siri who's that was joining Siri us. who's <laughs> trying to spoil it for Siri, us. Siri can't read out what, it, what the document says. Um, it scared me. I'm like, who else is in the room with us? <laughs> it's Shame. It's, it's a ghost of Shay, ghost of Shabazz. Uh, Black Widow. We spoke about. Um, I watched the Boss Baby Family Business. Tell me more. <sighs> Do I have to? You have to. Okay. So I've never. Have you seen the first Boss Baby? I seen the trailer. I know the premise. And you know, it's Alec Baldwin as a baby. Yes. This one. Uh, which I do appreciate with this film. This one has a time jump where now they're adults, but for some reason they find a way to make them babies again. Um, but for some reason, the baby version of like uh, the of the boss baby's brother, played by James Marsden, keeps his adult voice when he's a baby. Not doesn't have the kid's voice from the first movie. It's kind of weird. Um, but yeah, this this film was very much like sensory overload. I had this this the synopsis the the plot of this film was just craziness it's absolute madness um and i didn't really like it but um i will give it credit though for having some cool some cool moments some cool uh action sequences but other than it just being literally a visual distraction i didn't really get anything from it now now say you're you know six seven you're eight years old would this movie make would this be a great movie to watch um no no i don't think so So not even for that age group which is i think even younger dedicated i feel like it would be like five and under because it'll just be like a distraction on the screen right right i don't i don't think there'll be anything more in it that will 
feel like kids it, would care about. You know, it yeah. just it's just it's just everywhere. It's yeah. really everywhere. Uh, Loki, obviously, we spoke about this week. Fear Street, nineteen ninety four, The Tomorrow War, The Forever Purge. All have reviews for the movie pod on the movie podcast feed right now. So listen to those reviews to see what we think of those. No sudden move, which is uh, the brand new film by oh, what's Steven his, Soderbergh? Steven Soderbergh, yes. Don Cheadle, Benicio del Toro, um, uh, but, uh, David, uh, Harbor. Yeah, David Harbor. David Harbor. Uh, uh, Culkin's brother, John Hamm. Noah Jupe. Kieran Culkin is that Kieran? Yeah, something like that. Or. Yeah, he's from <laughs> Succession. You know, the one who wets the bed in Home Alone. Uh, Julia Fox is in it. <laughs> Julia Fox and then another cameo appearance. Oh, we, can't, which we won't, yeah, we we won't, won't give that away. Um, but really dug this movie. Yeah. You know, I think this is this may be my favorite Steve, Steven Soderbergh film since Ocean's Eleven. I have to look at his, you know, his, his roster. Even though like Ocean Twelve and Thirteen, they're not terrible films. But what about Lucky Logan? Lo- Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky. <laughs> Fun film, but I like this more than Logan yeah, Lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this was, I, I really dug this. This was just kind of like a, a slower who done it who done it type of yeah. film. Takes place in the fifties. I dug it a lot. Like yeah. I just I, I literally watched it again with my dad. I'm like, this was this was a cool movie. I dug yeah. it. And it's only available on HBO. It's an HBO Max original, but it's also available on, on Crave, Crave here in Canada. So, so yeah, go watch it. That's my recommendation because I watched it as well, and I thought it was the chemistry between all the actors were fantastic. Yeah, the story is very large but it all makes sense by the end of it yeah you have to really really pay attention put on the subtitles so you can actually read because it is i found myself i lost what this movie during the midst part of this movie i'm like what are they what does what is this all about right then i figured it out it's not one that you could so again like it's not one that like i wish we watched in the theater too because there's no distractions right it's not a film that you could literally be like oh yeah keep it playing while i went to the raw show no. or I, you can't look at your phone because no. this film does not baby you in the sense where it's like you have to tune into this yeah. like you have to pay attention to what's going on to kind of be on the ride the entire time what'd you think of brendan frazier great seeing him back that was yeah. the other one that it was nice seeing him back i hope he does more films man because i really like brendan frazier yeah i haven't seen him in a while other than his performance doom patrol. in doom doom patrol yeah but- like actually seeing him on screen, he he looks different though. Like yeah. a lot of people are going to say, "Whoa, that's Brendan Fraser." Yeah, he, he looks a little thicker. Yeah, he's a little he's a little bit bigger. But honestly, yeah. like seeing him come back, it's great. I hopefully yeah. hopefully he'll do more roles. But hundred percent, like you, Anthony, I would say watch it. Other than the fact that we literally had a million things to do this week, we probably would have had a full review of it. But who knows? Maybe we still will down the road. But yeah. we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, other than that, I don't know why I was in Tarantino mood, but. I didn't want to watch a Tarantino directed film just because I feel like I've watched all of them recently. So I put on True Romance, which I really dig. Um, with all this news of like a Spider Man trailer hopefully coming soon, watch, watch. We're going to drop this on Monday. And it'll be on Monday. You and always it, say Monday, but they always release Monday. Maybe. We'll see. But is it this Monday? I hope they I hope they build up to it so we can prepare ourselves, you know? Like little teasers? You know? Or they could just be like, hey guys. Tune in on uh, Thursday night's uh, Macarena Hour for uh, Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. You know what I mean? Interesting. Um, so I put on Spider-Man, the first one from 2002. Put on Spider-Man 2 directly afterwards, just because you have to, I think. Um, and I'm also watching a new show that is going to be premiering on Disney, sorry, on Apple TV Plus in August called Mr. Corman. This is Joseph Gordon-Levitt series. Can't say anything about it yet. Review incoming. What about in the synopsis? Um, synopsis of Mr. Corman. He is like a fifth grade teacher, kind of just dealing with life. Interesting. Yeah, I like I, saying I, the word interesting. Interesting. Because I'm trying to get Daniel to reveal more, but that's all I could say about it right now. But very soon, I, I believe it premieres in August. 
Cool. How about yourself, Anthony? Uh, this week, I watched Zola, Fear Street 1994, Black Widow, The Forever Purge, Loki, No Sudden Move. I caught up on Black Monday, as well as I started watching the new series Physical, which is on Apple TV+. Excellent. So a lot of those, you know, Zola, Fear Street, Black Widow, you can find a review of, of them on our page. Um, I'm really digging Physical. I just, anything said in the 80s, that's why I watched Black Monday, because it's right. all set in the 80s, and then Physical is also set in the 80s. Um, really, really well done. Really, like the script is fantastic, and Rose Byrne does a fantastic job of playing this this housewife who's who has, you know, some demons in her, but she's trying to you know live her life with her husband, right? Trying to juggle her kids, her life, what she eats, her her appearance. It's a it's an interesting film. I don't want to dive. I don't want to like spoil a lot of it, but it's a really really great film and a great tv series and it's directed by greg galepsi and there's a bunch of writers and directors as well with yeah it. it's not just um him it's right and a, he did he, most recently he just did cruella and he did itania so yeah and i think awesome. there's four or five episodes right now on apple tv plus definitely that's awesome yeah. i know i need to watch it it's been in my watch later forever do you have anything else to reveal to our audience this week before we close out the show no i think just you know stay tuned the the one the one thing I can tell you, stay make sure you're following us across all our socials. Yeah, because that is where we're going to be announcing if we have you know any surprise episodes, any surprise reviews drop, any trailer reactions. I, I think the only time we would ever do like a a one off on like on a trailer reaction would be if it's probably Spider Man No Way Home at this point. What the, about the Matrix? Maybe the Matrix too. Yeah, because we we broke the Matrix we both, on a show Matrix two years ago almost now, right? Yeah. When they say, oh, yeah, Matrix 4 is happening. After Anthony said, maybe it's happening. It's not happening. It actually happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, if we got, like, a Matrix trailer and, like, a Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, we'd probably... We'd trailer probably, breakdown? we do a trailer breakdown. And, I would do a trailer you know, breakdown. We would do it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. If something like that happens, we will have our reactions on because we want we want to talk about it. So, make sure... The one thing, make sure you're following us on at the movie podcast, Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd, TikTok. TikTok. MySpace, uh, Napster, everywhere. Yeah, and you can catch a new episode every Monday across all your favorite podcast streaming services. And don't forget, please, please, after the end of this episode, head over to our podcast page on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. Uh, leave us a comment. Leave us some feedback. We're always looking forward to reading out some of this stuff. Um, but yeah, that that's this was a great episode. It was a great episode. Yeah. I you know, it just went by so fast, just the two of us. Um but with regard to the five stars, we will be doing another like five star video that we like to do on our Instagram just to thank everybody who has been giving us their reviews and yeah. comments. So that is incoming too. Yeah. Well that was this time with the movie podcast. And we'll see you next.